0: Welcome to the Strength Talking Shop podcast. I'm your host, Matt Smith. We talk all things strength, coaching, fitness, nutrition, powerlifting, strongman. If it involves a barbell, we're going to talk about it. We are presented by Optimum Nutrition Athletics. We all know that protein is the key to muscle recovery. And Gold Standard's best-selling 100% whey protein provides 24 grams of protein that mixes easily using just a glass and spoon. Gold Standard 100% whey is made in their state-of-the-art facility. It's banned substance tested by Informed Choice. And with Optimum Nutrition Athletics Program, you can get different items such as their Pro Gainer, which is their Mass Gainer, protein snacks such as their crisp bars, wafers, cake bites, and almonds. And after dominating the sports and nutrition industry for over 30 years, Newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings that same trust and quality that knows how to put convenient options for protein in the hands of athletes who desire to become bigger, stronger, and better at their sport. If this is something that you're interested in and getting into your facility, reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics. Down in the show notes, he's got his email. Dave and the team at Optimum Nutrition Athletics are absolutely amazing. They'll get everything that you need. I use their products every single day. I use the Gold Standard 100% way for my post-workouts. If I need something quick for protein on the go throughout the day. And also, if I need to grab a snack, I'll just grab one of the almonds, uh, some of the cake bites, and then also the crisps. Absolutely love the crisps and the almonds. So make sure you reach out to Dave Harvey of Optum Nutrition Athletics, and thank you for being our sponsor. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Strength Talk and Shop podcast. I am very excited uh, to have uh, Michael uh, Silbernagel. He is the Head Strength and Conditioning of the University of Mary is also the owner-operator of Black Flag Barbell Performance, LLC. Good morning, Coach. Morning. Thanks for having me, Matt. Absolutely. Uh, We talked before the podcast. I'll go ahead and tell people now. So, um, you know, Michael was a coach that I followed very young in my career, uh, just because I was at a Division II school, um, and University of Mary is a Division II school. So it's kind of full circle, just kind of really cool to get to talk to somebody and, and learn from somebody that you followed for a really long time. And if you don't already, I highly suggest you go uh, follow everything that they're doing at the University of Mary because it's absolutely tremendous. So to kind of dive into it, what's, what's going on
1: at, at the University of Mary? Well, right now, you know, I think like a lot of other schools around the country, we're just getting back into the swing of things, right? Yep. Uh, coming back out that winter break. So getting excited and trying to build off of things that happened in the fall. Yeah. Uh, good, bad, and different, but that's, that's kind of where we're at currently. So you talked about from building from, you know, from the fall into
0: the spring and stuff like that. How have you evolved over your time at the University of Mary? You know, you, I know you were at, you know, Colorado State and then now you're at University of Mary, you know, talk to me about that evolution from the beginning to now.
1: Uh, you know, I think the, the first thing it's, it's gotta be what kind of mindset do you have? Like I'm actually, was talking with my graduate assistant this morning, one of them, and a uh, different coach came into our, our workout and was like, well, how did you do today? Talking to the, the graduate assistant. And he goes, I did good. And I just sat down in my chair and he goes, what? And I was like, why do we have to have like an absolute answer? Yeah. Right. And the, the sport coach that came in was like, yeah, why can't you just come in and say, I, I coached my tail off today. And I was like, I would love that response. Right. Because we've gotten into this era. I'm probably going feathers. Right. But we're either good or we're bad and there's nothing in between anymore, right? right? Um, And I think where I've evolved is I've always had that be better thought process. Um, If you were to walk into my room, you might be like, coach, looks great. Things are going well. And I'd, I'd be like, yeah, but what can I be better at? Like what, and that's a flaw at the same time, but that evolution of be better has taken us from six platforms six double-sided half racks and two sets of dumbbells to right now, if you look in a room and if I'm looking to my left, it's because I'm looking into my weight room. We have 12 of everything. We have 12 racks. We have uh, 12 platforms. We've got 12 Swiss bars, safety squat bars, trap bar deadlifts, band attachments, chains. Like the constant motto of be better has happened not only in stuff, but in people. It started from me, then we added a GA, then two GAs, now full-time on top of that. So the be better thought process, probably since you followed us or until now, has continued to be what's driving our department because it's not just a me thing, it's it's an us thing. It's driving our department to continue to put the best things forward for our student athletes, but at the same time, the best things forward is for us as a staff, right? Like my job isn't to burn anybody to the ground. And I say that because I don't like the word burnout. That's a whole different story. I don't want to take that candle and completely just have it burning nonstop to where the love that I had when I got into this profession is no longer there or to take a young coaches and just completely squash it. Right. But at the same time, it's also to make sure that we're fueling it the right way. Exactly. We're not just saying good job all the time, right? It's, we're showing that path as to how do we be better and um from a personal aspect of how I changed right from a programming standpoint etc the pandemic really changed it and what I mean by that is it reinforced things that I already did maybe in my own training that now really 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 made sense with athletes right because when the pandemic hit and we went to Instead of 36 in the room, you went to 12 in the room, one per rack. And how can you train maximal effort without a spotter? And what about, right? And I think I've said that's in a different uh, conversation, but you had coaches who either taught athletes how to try to power plate a bicycle or coaches that looked at different ways for force development. Right. Right. So me and my staff sat down and we're like, okay, we really lack of a better term, went went into Louis' world, right? And then started reading Russian texts, even more so in detail of what can we do from a repetition standpoint? What can we do from a force development or dynamic effort standpoint? And what can we do from a maximal effort standpoint? And then how can we utilize angles and bars, etc., yep. to keep that accommodation from sticking, right? Because the way that we were doing it, which was maybe a little bit more linear or block periodization for the majority of our athletes, was not possible with what we were able to do in the room. But at the same time, from a return to play from illness was not possible. Because if you're out for two weeks of quarantine because of close contact, let's say you weren't even sick. Well, now you potentially just missed your strength block or your GPP block. And if we were linear, you definitely missed the boat. And we can just throw you back in. So we went to much more of a conjugate style of training and it works right like i, I know shocker like yeah <laughs> everyone's been saying it for how many years but we also found that our athletes really enjoyed it so all of a sudden we're doing bench press lockouts for max effort work and we're doing overhead lockouts for the next three weeks and we're doing squat lockouts and then we could still squat with chains right at a lower percentage because you didn't necessarily need a spotter for those and you yeah. can still get the full range of motion in and we could do plyo push-ups we could do broad jumps and we really evolved our thought process to one that is now more conjugate in nature while touching on all of those things, which shocker, I did that as a powerlifter. lifter, right? <laughs> Like, yeah. But at the time when you're thinking as a powerlifter, like, oh, this won't work for my athletes, right? Because it's just the way that you were mentored, you were brought up, the things you read, the things you saw. Yep. Now we, we do our style of conjugate to where we still steal from other people and, and our template's a little bit different and it has to work with what we're aiming for because we do still utilize Olympic lifts, et cetera. But that's probably the biggest way that we've evolved our program uh, over this time.
0: I love it. The, uh, the tiny gains every single day, right? So you talked about having six half racks to now 12, you know, that didn't happen just overnight. It took a long time. And then being able to adapt, like how, how, incredible is that as a coach, you know, you've been coaching for a really long time to be like, okay, I need to put bias aside. What is the best thing that I can do for my athletes? And corresponding with your, you know, conversations with your staff too, as well, like, how can we better suit the athletes? Because at the end of the day, that's what the goal of of being a strength coach is like, you want to help the athletes be better at their sport. And I think that's awesome that you were able to evolve to be able to, I guess, pivot, adapt, whatever you want to say into that because so many coaches fall into their bias of like, Nope, we did linear. We follow this. And instead, you know, we need to change things up when you were running. Um, now there's more conjugate style training. You said you kind of, you still throw in the Olympic lifts. Can you kind of talk a little bit into that too as well? Cause I think that's very unique and very awesome.
1: Yeah. So what we've done is is we've kind of gone, we, we were forced to do it because of facility time and space. Right. So right. the old, the, the more of a traditional, uh two max effort days two dynamic days doesn't necessarily work in the constraints that we had Mm -hmm. um so we went to a three-day week split monday wednesday friday or tuesday thursday saturday based on the sport team um because we actually went to a six-day window to get everybody trained right so that was that was the goal that we went to now it's we're getting closer to normal um but what we looked at is we took the olympic lift and we Made that force development no matter what. Okay. So we're not necessarily ever going like maximal effort, right? Like we're not taking it to a 100% power clean often. We're kind of waving in that window of 75 to 85 on our power cleans, and, and we're hitting some triples and some singles. But we've turned that into to more just force in general mm-hmm. on our less taxing day. Then we want to take that to maybe a, a handful clean. Where we're now. It is speed under the bar. It's not necessarily speed of the bar. Mm -hmm. It's how quick can our hips be. Yeah. Um, But I do like the kinesthetic awareness piece that Olympic lifts demands, right? So um, to backtrack it, so we go Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we do total body every day. We always start with an Olympic movement, but then we look at, okay, one day of the week, um, Monday is going to be a rep effort day for lower body, right? And I know... Traditionally, that's a single joint thing. We take it to isolateral. So if we're going to do reps, that's going to be our lunges or our step-ups or our lateral lunges. Then we go to our upper body movement. And on that day, it might be forced development. So we were doing a dumbbell pause bench or we're doing a banded Swiss bar push-up to where it's not necessarily just your speed bench variations. Right. Then we come into Wednesday. We we might do, uh, Wednesday's going to be our maximal effort, lower body day. And we'll, we'll do waves. We'll do a week of fives and threes and ones, kind of that old school uh, West Side Dave Tate from way back in 03, 04, 05, right? The, the eight keys articles. I'm dating myself, but-
0: One of the best articles you could possibly read as a coach. Uh,
1: some right. great information there, right? Um, but now we might do some hurdle hops as our light triple extension, like right? That. So instead of that, we're going to really lighten it up, make that really quick then come hit some trap bar deads or some max effort box squats or a safety bar. You know, every three weeks to we rotate, then our upper body might be repetition. That's where we're knocking out pushups or we're knocking out incline dumbbell bench, or we've seen a flaw based on strengths and weaknesses. And we're gonna go a close grip uh, overhead press for volume, right? But now Friday, we come back, we're still gonna hit on a triple extension, but now it might be a, a dumbbell snatch right? That kinesthetic body control awareness,
0: yeah. right?
1: Cause I know people argue, well, it's too late to get to your adaptation. I'm not saying adaptation, I'm just saying control, right? Yeah. Like, can we fire in the right patterns? Can we go from contract, relax, to contract? Those types of concepts on that day. Then our lower body might be speed. So now we're gonna bring in three week wave of front squats and then a three week wave of back squats. And we'll rotate. And then we'll do a max effort upper body on Friday. Okay. Right. So that's kind of how we've tied that all together. Uh, I'm sorry I'm losing my voice. It's already been a fun first week.
0: <laughs> for sure. What I like is you talked about the waves, like the waving of the five, three, one back down or the waving of the, the max effort exercises too as well. I think I, I've personally found that to be really successful for myself is waving band tension maybe or if it's not band tension, just waving it like a 50-52, 54% kind of thing. I think that's huge. But what I love that you talked about was the awareness when it comes to the Olympic weightlift, And especially in that 75 to 85% range, can you kind of go into that a little bit deeper maybe? Because for me, that's where I've found it to kind of be that bread and butter spot of getting all of what you need to where you're not having to hit a, like a 90% plus uh,
1: power. Well, we we the time. found the best benefit there, right? Like the force velocity curve, that's kind of your sweet spot. Right. Reading right. Literature. And if we wave it accordingly, now I don't do a ton of reps. We might go like a three, two, one, one type scenario because that way it's not super taxing and we want every rep to be purposeful. Yeah. And you can go, well, what about muscular endurance? If I'm doing cleans for muscular endurance, me personally, I've got a diff- I gotta look at something else, right? So I want to see that snap, that pop. And can we build from that? And if we wave up that way and we almost recycle the same wave, and now we just preach bar speed, right? Like move faster, make it fly, open the hands up, get up off the ground. All of a sudden our maxes have gone up and not just our maxes on our cleans, but we've seen our maxes on our vertical jumps correlate to where we went uh, this entire fall with our, our travel group of football. That was the wave. They basically waved in, And as the season went on, we actually didn't even catch the clean. We just high pulled it. because yeah. so I didn't want that eccentric force, a uh, way to deload. Our vertical jump numbers, 35% of the team went up without jumping in season. 60% stayed the same, right? And we only had 5% of our team that trained all summer drop. And the drop was within 90%. So we didn't drop below 90% of our max vertical jump all in season, but we didn't jump.
0: That's right? incredible.
1: So that that wave to me showed that those percentages and intent, You it has to be intentful. Yeah. Right? It, it, it cannot be uh, a slow grind, reverse curl uh, <laughs> type of a movement, but that's kind of how we've been able to, to manipulate those aspects. And like I said, we will then take it to a high pole. Sometimes it might just be a clean pole. Yeah. Uh, if we're trying to deload some stress on the body while still having intent of that intensity with bar speed mashed up
0: what I love that you talking about was the intent, especially when you're working with that force development that you're talking about, because there's nothing worse than you, you hate to see when somebody's talking about like a dynamic effort or something like that. And it's, it's not, there's no intent behind it at all. It's just kind of a going through the motion kind of thing. I think that right there, you nailed on the head. It's like, how, how much intent do we have within that exercise? And then that goes into your max effort stuff too, as well. Like if you don't have, if you're not set up, braced, ready to go, I mean, you're gonna have some issues with that max effort exercise. You know what I mean?
1: I think that's the, you know, to go back to your initial question of what have we grown on. Okay. I think I actually coach warm ups more now than I ever have before. Really? Okay. To so where we really like, if I see a sloppy warm up set, I will blow the whistle and chew some tail, and go, listen, we're doing two sets of five on warm ups. We're only doing six sets of two for our work sets. So if you're sloppy on your warm up sets that's 10 reps. And if you do everything dialed in for six sets of two, that's only 12. So actually we're all doing all that work for two quality reps, right? Like we've got to understand that we're grooving the pattern on those warmups. If we don't have intent there, okay. we, we are, we're subtracting while we're trying to add, right? And we get stuck in neutral. So yes. that's yeah. been a big change from what we've done. So let's say you do two
0: decent, good warmups reps and then the other three are crap you just you just did more harm than you did good i think that's oh man i love that that's absolutely brilliant i think that's awesome
1: and and our athletes i'll be i'll I'll give the the athletes get all the credit they're figuring it out right like they're starting to realize that oh that that does work they like feeling powerful they like feeling explosive they like moving heavy stuff i don't care if it's male female like everyone likes to hit a pr i've yet to find someone who's like i don't like being stronger (laughs) <laughs> right like i don't care if that's a chin-up if that's a broad jump if that's a max effort right like no one's ever like man i got better at something today i don't know why i came like yeah getting better improvement fuels all fires exactly and our student athletes have taken that and have ran with it and I'm, i couldn't be prouder that's incredible man
0: well that that just shows what kind of culture you've you've built over time too as well I mean, that, that in itself is huge in the fact of, like, getting the buy-in, right? And I think that's a – you talked about a PR thing. Like, if an athlete can – let's say they do one more push-up than they did the week before, and they can see that on their sheet, whatever you've got, whether you're a team builder, I don't know what it is. But, like, that goes a long way with the athlete and building the culture that you want because they can see but it.
1: It's, it's, uh, it's enjoyable, right? Like, I think the coach's job is to set the standard, and it's the athlete's job to build upon it. and to hold it and and we're fortunate right now i think we're we're there like it's taken a long time but it's uh it's really fun because last week we were technically with fall sports i couldn't coach them Uh for ncaa rules and i actually sat in my office because we're in our compliance guy was going to come by because my athletes were out there running it as if i was out there like it was like the proud coach moment Uh like energy was high like they're timing rest intervals i'm like this is amazing right? Like this is what we want. And then yesterday when I finally was able to coach him again, like it was just, we didn't skip a beat, right? Like those are the fun moments from a coaching standpoint that you can't wait to be a part of too.
0: It's like clockwork, right? They just come in, they, they do the work and then you can just kind of sit back and do your job of coaching instead of handling all of those little small minute details. Now
1: that takes time though, right? Yeah, that did not happen overnight. And it, <laughs> it takes a lot of, uh, It it takes a lot of grooming to make sure it continues to stay, right? right? Because cultures are dynamic, right? So they're going to ebb and flow and and it takes a long time. I'm not great at it yet either, but to know when you need to adapt, how you communicate something and when you need to uh, push a little bit or pull a little bit to make sure that that culture stays where you want it to be, because just going, oh, today was a great day and now we're done. You're setting yourself up for tomorrow to fail. Exactly. So, but at the same time, if you come in, you're like, you sucked, you sucked, you sucked, you sucked, that ain't going to get the culture there anyhow, because then they're going to go, well, what do do we need to do? We've done all these things better and we we still weren't very good. So we can't please the guy. So it's got to be an ever-changing ebb and flow. So if anybody out there listening has that direct answer, I'd love the email because it would make my life easier right? Like on this day, say this on that day, don't you say that. Um, To me, it's a learn by doing trial by fire. Sometimes I'm good at it. Sometimes I'm not. Culture,
0: in my opinion, in a team sport, or even in general, of any kind of job, anything at all, it is all about, it's a living organism. It is ever evolving every single day. And exactly what you said is true of like, you got to be able to know when to push a little bit and when to pull back. I think that's very important for people to understand. It's like, we need to understand a lot. There's a lot that goes into this, especially in the culture-wise. A lot of people think, in my opinion, I think you nailed on the head, is like, well, oh, this is our culture. This is what it is, and it's never going to change. I'm sure every single day there's something that you talked about in the beginning. You're always trying to evolve. You're always trying to find new little things that you can improve upon. So then 10 years from now, it's not exactly the same thing that it was. Shoot, I'm sure in a month it might look different.
1: Yeah, and it better it to some degree. Exactly. Right. Like if, if we're claiming we're continuing to move forward, it's not going to be a wholesale change, right? Like you're not going to walk in all of a sudden and have machines in my, in my facility and all we're <laughs> using is machines. But what there better be some kind of adaptation that we tweak to try. And I say try, because you don't know if it's better or not until after it's over. Exactly, yep. And, and I think that's the hardest thing about trying to be better is I remember when we made the switch from that, more block four day week periodization to a three day a week, like I'm holding my breath, right? Like we started doing sled work on our recovery days, right? Yeah. And now I'm really going over the top, like we're, we're walking with sleds and TRXs with sleds and band work, and and I'm sitting here and coaches walk in like we're just walking, like how oh, we're just walking, and I'm like it'll work, it'll work, please, yeah, it'll work, <laughs> right? And then we started to where it had to show, and coaches like wow, like, we look like we're in pretty good shape. Wow, we, we've got better body control and, and awareness. Yeah. And I'm going, Whoop. all right, so that eight week, nine week phase, you know, the three week waves, those those worked. Okay, but when I first wrote them out, I'm going, this is guaranteed, right? Like, I know this works. Yep. This is unknown. Man, I, it's really hard to give up the guarantee for the unknown, like I felt like I was playing a game show. Right? Where if you <laughs> open the briefcase, there might be a million dollars, but if you open it up, it also might be five. And you have this, you know, the bankers offering you a hundred grand, what are you going to take? Um, but that's the only way you grow. You've, you've got to take a step outside those comfort zones uh, and make calculated decisions.
0: I, I could not agree more. You got to make those na- calculated risk and decisions and everything like that. And I guess risk is not the right word, but you know what I mean? um let's kind of dive into the uh, there's a couple things that I selfishly want to talk about with you so if people um don't understand this um coach is very strong Uh, you can you've competed in powerlifting. um can you kind of talk to me a little bit about your powerlifting career how you got started and all that and like the ebbs and flows and
1: everything like that sure well well, strength is relative Matt there's always someone stronger (laughs) Um, but I but I do thank you uh for that um I think being a farm kid, like going way back to when I when I first started being a farm kid in North Dakota, you just did stuff, right? Like there was there was things that needed to be done and you just had to get it done. Like I remember dad telling me to, you know, to put the tire up on the tractor, the the dual, you know, to get it hooked up. Well, he was the one in the tractor, which meant I had to lift the tractor tire with the rim in it, you know, and get it propped up to get it kicked on. And there was no like, hey son, I hope you can try to do this. It was you're doing it, so figure it out. Yeah. Right. So I think that's where that term of like farm boy strength probably started in me a long time ago. And I realized I was pretty good at it. Um, we did not have high school coaches that did strength conditioning. There were sport coaches who said lift. Uh, so we, we did a bunch of that stuff. I don't think I knew what really training legs was until I got to college because you know, the, the homemade leg press at Napoleon, uh, high school didn't necessarily do, uh, what we can do now but uh after i got done playing college football I, I, there was a void and right. uh i've heard this from a lot of people but in order to fill that competitive void you're going to find something either good or bad and for me i was fortunate enough to where power lifting was a natural fit um when i started in in 06 in colorado raw lifting wasn't necessarily a thing yet uh it was all geared so i was lifting in geared meets raw because I was training by myself. So I didn't have, like, there was no put on a bench shirt uh, or get on a squat suit. So, like, I'm training in a t shirt and in a singlet, lifting against guys who are were wearing gear um, at the beginning. And I think that's when I realized that maybe in certain areas, that I was strong. Yeah. Right? Um, and then it just kind of evolved. It was read and watch Louie. Um, like, I still do have a couple of the VHS tapes. I'm going to really date myself. No way! Um, Do you really? And I have the old DVDs, right? Or is that that cheesy song? And, and you can tell Louie I said it was cheesy, but it like that's where it all started, right? And then like you said earlier in our conversation, um, before we got on here, is like that's what was cool. It was neat, like chains and bands and Dick Hartzell and boy, those are like strong individuals. So it sparked interest, right? And uh, Colorado at the time had a lot of local meets. So it allowed me as a strength coach to compete locally. Um, I was fortunate enough to win USAPL round nationals uh, in 2010. And yeah, it's, it's been kind of a fun ride. And then the last uh, few years of competing, I did powerlifting meets uh, with relentless mm-hmm. where they raised money for uh, hope kids and, and kids with disabilities. And that was a, a whole new cool experience that took lifting to a different level just obviously the cause was fantastic
0: that's incredible how is lifting you know your lifting career helped you as a coach
1: number one being under the bar and realizing that you're not perfect yeah I like i think people from the outside look at powerlifting things sometimes they're like oh they're a bunch of big meatheads which we might be but we're educated meatheads and yeah. we care about each other i think that was the coolest thing is you go to a meet and a guy you were competing against would give you a cue right like all of a sudden, like, hey, try moving your feet out a little bit and, and and externally rotate. Or you got a great setup, but you're not driving your head into the bar as you come out of the bottom of your squat. Or, you know, if you could really work on your lats this next phase, I think that would help your pull. And that's what helps carry over because I get feedback from other people I didn't know. Just like I am actually teaching athletes. Like, when you freshman walk into the room, you don't know them. Like you can act like, oh, no, no, we're, we're tight. My athletes get me and we get them. No, you don't. They just walked on campus. They don't know who you are. You get to feel what that's like to get feedback from an outside individual. Exactly. You get to know what failures like, right? Like it's easy to be the guy. And no offense to the guys who. Well, they're gonna take it. They take it. Training in the the local gym and lifting heavy is way different than getting on a platform in front of everybody else with three judges telling you did well or not. Exactly. And then as soon as you hit a PR, and as soon as you think you just like the way of the world, right? Some guy comes on after you or gal and lifts more. And you're like, oh, I suck again, right? Like yep. Tommy boy or the water boy. But I think it's, uh, it, it's one of those situations I think that helps you as a coach to relate to your athletes. Yep. And yeah. your athletes want to see you compete, right? Like I put on a post, I'm like, should I compete again? Yes or no? And the amount of athletes that clicked yes was unreal because a they're also proud of you, yep. right? Whether they want to admit it or not, they they do want to see you be successful and they want to talk smack and go, yeah, my coach just bench 500. What's your coach do, right? Like they want to have that because they want to support you like you support them. Um, but I think also dealing with injury, how do you overcome things like these athletes are dealing with it all the time, yep. and they get to see a human side of you as a coach if you're doing it too.
0: I think that's huge. I, I um, I love the, the at, like the, the coach that competes. I'm not saying all coaches have to compete or anything like that, but I think like all of the things that you said are very very true. They see that you are getting under the bar yourself and you're working towards something else, like whether, whether that's strongman, bodybuilding, powerlifting, or whatever that is. I think that's and I love that you said that too. Like you don't have to lift a thousand. You don't have to be a thousand pound squatter. You can do three hundred pounds. It doesn't matter. But it is so cool when you get on the platform, you hit a PR and you are pumped for those five seconds. And I don't know if it's like this for you, but you're like, all right, I want to put five pounds more on. Right. That's where I think that growth mindset comes from. And and that's where powerlifting for me, not only just powerlifting, but it's helped me in all other aspects of my life. is helping me have like, okay, I'm going to add five pounds more here. So then you start looking in like, how can I, better myself over these next year, two years, or there's that setback, right? You, you have an injury or something like that. Okay. How can I still get better throughout this injury? Right. And then you can relay that to friends, family, uh, athletes, whoever that is. That's why I think it's so powerful. And I think it's so cool to be you know competing. And I love, I love the fact that you you still compete and you still get after it. Um, you you, I know you've got, you've got kids too, as well. And like, for me, I think of like, when I, my kids get older, they can look like, okay, dad, like dad really tried doing something. Right. I think that's pretty fun too.
1: Well, we're, we're still competing right now with my kid, I have a nine-year-old and a 14-year-old and we, we lift in the garage and uh cool story. My, my son hasn't, my 14-year-old has not missed a workout in 19 weeks, three um, days a week has not missed. Now it's like, that's his whole uh, deal. And my, my nine-year-old played some flag football. So he missed and he's like, well, yeah, but Hunter, I'm on like you know, 13 weeks and my older son looked at me and goes, and you're never going to catch me. <laughs> right. Like that. Cause I'm not stopping type of a thing. Right. But uh, for a couple of weeks, I was, I was dealing with some uh, torn muscle in my forearm and some nerve uh, issues. So I didn't do like pull-ups or chin-ups for about four months. Right. Well, my oldest son was knocking out sets of five. Like it was nothing. My youngest son had got a couple. So they're like, dad, you're third in the gym right now, you're the you're the third strongest guy. How cool is and that? I was, like, I was like, okay. So yesterday I went and I, I in my training, they were at, at school. So I was able to knock out a set and I videotaped it and I showed it when they got home and I'm like, guess who's back to one. <laughs> They're, like, oh! They're like, when's the next time we're doing chin-ups? Like we gotta compete, like we gotta reclaim our spot. So it, that's been a whole cool thing uh, that I think as a parent, you hope happens. Yeah. Right. But now that it's actually coming to fruition, it's been really kind of fun to see.
0: Oh, I love that. That's a great story right there, man. That's so cool. Um, Can you talk about Black Flag? Um, Obviously, I know it is like your online consulting and obviously online training and stuff like that, too, as well. Um, I highly suggest if somebody's interested, obviously, you know, reach out, got cool merch, too, as well. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, um, well, it it started because when the pandemic hit, right, um, we got furloughed. Uh, to be completely honest, and you get furloughed for the first time in your life and you're going, interesting, yeah, right? Like, uh, now what? And I had a couple people say, hey, you know, with your education and, and your your certs, your knowledge and your experience under the bar, you need to start doing some of this online stuff. And uh, we actually had a cool logo ready to go um, from kind of a, a a long time ago as a joke. Um, That turned out to be a real thing. And uh, I started it and it's been really cool. Um, Right now I'm I'm working with some former athletes of mine from all different universities. Uh, I haven't really promoted a whole lot, but I think it's black flag itself is every pirate ship had a flag. And I haven't even told you this yet, Matt, but everyone had a flag. Right. And you knew that when back in the day, two boats met, you raised your flag and you're like, I don't know what it is. Let's let's battle it out. Let's see what happens. Or you raise your flag and you saw that bone. You're like, whoa, whoa. Like I take our stuff. Just don't don't end our life, right? Like that was kind of how it worked. Well, that's what I love about training. Every day, it's can you raise your flag against whatever you're fighting on that day, right? And you'll see that hashtag raise the flag. And it's it's really about your battles with yourself, your battles with the bar, your battles with the dumbbell. Like what do you want to represent? in training it can be i want to lose weight i want to be in better shape i want to be stronger i want to be an athlete it doesn't matter right i just want to be consistent like my 14 year old right like but raise your flag and take on whatever challenges come that day and that's kind of where blackfoot barbell came from um like i said obviously they can dm me on on instagram if they want more info but that's kind of the nuts and bolts of of that side of things
0: I absolutely love that. The raise the flag. I'm glad that you shared that with me. Thank you so much. Well, coach, it's been an absolute honor to have you on the podcast. Um, we're going to kind of go ahead and wind down here, uh, hit you with the, with the final question is, uh, what are you grateful for?
1: I am grateful for my parents who didn't tell me uh, not to do this. Right. Because I'm from Napoleon, North Dakota. And when I told them in high school, I want to be a strength coach. this is now, you know, 20 plus years later. I don't think anybody in my family still knows what a strength coach is, right? Like I still have aunts and uncles that are like, why are you lifting so heavy? Right. Um, But my parents never said, that's not a job. That's not a career. Don't do it. They said, well, if you're going to do it, you better be good at it. Right. Like that's one thing my dad uh, continued and my mom supported. So I am thankful for the fact that they allowed me to be me and to chase this crazy path
0: that has been the
1: life of a strength conditioning professional.
0: Got to have those people that support you along the way. If you don't have that, it's a tough, tough battle for sure. So that's pretty awesome that your parents were those, you know, force behind you and everything like that. Um, If people want to reach out to you, uh, your staff, follow you guys on social media, how can they reach out to you?
1: At YouMaryStrength on Instagram and Twitter uh, is that handle. Um, We actually have a link tree. On link on our Instagram page it has all of our information to contact any of us. Uh, and they can feel free to reach out that way or shoot me a DM on Black Flag Barbell and Performance.
0: Um, also, too, you guys are hosting NSCA clinic. You are as well too. When, when's that going to be happening?
1: Uh, the NSCA, the North Dakota NSCA State Clinic is going to be March nineteenth in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota. We have a great lineup. Uh, Donnie Thompson's coming for body tempering, and we've got some return to play from cancer you name it, we're going to be talking about it. Awesome.
0: Well, if you're, you know, able to go to that, guys, make sure you do it. Coach, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast this week. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, hey, everybody, make sure you follow Coach. Um, Go follow him on social media. Go see what they're doing. And everybody, stay strong.